0: It's very easy to feel small and vulnerable sometimes with everything that's going on in the world. And I think we can feel that as, just as as human beings, just as people. But I think particularly as Christians, you know, um, I was um, reading an article actually in the paper this morning, which was saying about, uh, you may have seen on the news, uh, last week that the there was a leaked document showing that the Supreme Court um, justice in America, they were going to um, repeal Roe versus Wade, which gives them a right to abortion in America, and it was going to push it back to the states, each individual state to decide sort of democratically. And the backlash against this by certain sections of society has, uh, they were saying it's very anti-Christian, it's not just a, a matter of um, not just a matter of of what they what they see as rights, but actually it's an anti-christian reaction that that's been at the heart of it and you think you know how do we stand when it seems like the church is very small and powerless and really it it feels like the forces of uh, a godless world a secular world are very big and that's why i think it's really important to be looking at Revelation. And I think Revelation is a book which, I mean, it's always relevant, but particularly, I think, at times like this, when it does seem like the forces of, of evil or, you know, those who are against God seem to be, seem to be winning or seem to be in, in gaining. What does Revelation have to say to us? So this is an encouragement to us today. It starts out... It picks up on, on what was happening in the, the last chapter, if you remember. We had the four horsemen of the apocalypse we were thinking about, and the, the seals, and that was all of the, the things that were happening, the, the if you like, the bad things that were happening, the famines, the plagues, the death, and, and so on, all of those things. Um, and uh, he sees an angel, it says, an angel coming up from the east, this is verse 2, calling out, so the four angels do not harm the land or the sea uh, until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. So he says, don't com- commence all of this that you're going to do, that you've been commissioned to do, until those who belong to God are sealed, uh, and so until God's people are, are secure, if you like. And then he here's a number, John here's a number, which is 144,000. And he, he gives the 12,000 from all of the different tribes. Now, I don't know if you've ever had conversations with Jehovah's Witnesses, but Jehovah's Witnesses, this number is quite an important number for them. And it comes from here, from Revelation chapter 7. And they've got some very strange ideas about only 144,000 being in the new heavens or new earth. Or I can't remember exactly what, what it is. It's changed a little bit over time um, what, they, uh, what they believe, I think. But the point of this is not, this is not meant to be a literal number as we've seen all the way through Revelation. This is not an, an actual 144,000. This is representative. No, it's symbolic. This is saying this is all of God's people. That's really what this is saying. This is the whole of God's people. Not one is missing and um i think it goes down lists all the tribes and again there are some clues here there are several different lists of tribes in in the uh in the bible and of course if you are if i ask you of course you who've been in church a little while i say how many tribes of israel were there you would say 12 of course but do you know that there are uh, that number 12 is made up of different tribes in some of the lists So in this this list, for example, Dan is not included. And I think the whole point of this is actually to show it's not meant to be an earthly thing. It's not meant to be an earthly thing. It just represents completion. It represents everyone, every one of God's people. That's the whole point of this. Not one is missing. And um, so then it, it moves on. John sees again, he says in verse 9, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. A great multitude that no one could count. Now, do you know how um, we saw last week that link between the first book in the Bible, between Genesis and between Revelation? And it's again, it's exactly the same here. This is um, what God promised to Abraham way back in, uh, for example, in Genesis chapter. 13 verse 16 this is god's promise to abraham where he says i will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust then your offspring could be counted that was god's promise to abraham way back almost at the very start of the bible an offspring that no one could count a nation that descendants that no one could count and here we see the multitude that no one could count so what we see here is the fulfilment of God's promise all those years ago. This is God's people all together, all of them. And it says they come from every nation, tribe and people and language. It's no longer an ethnic a national thing as it was in the days of Israel. You know, God isn't forming a, an earthly nation in the way that he did back in, in uh, the time of Moses, in the time of Israel but he's forming a if you like a new people a whole new whole new earth people to fill a new heavens and a new earth not any one nation but people from from every tribe and tongue and, and nation and and so on and they're all holding uh, they're wearing white robes and they're holding palm branches in their hands now palm branches again what do you think of when you think of palm branch that's right, it's, it's Palm Sunday, isn't it? The, the story of Palm Sunday. And something which I learnt um, recently is that John is the only one in his gospel who says that the people were waving palm branches. Isn't that interesting? It's only John records that, and yet we call it Palm Sunday. Now, why palm branches? What's the significance of palm branches? And again, this is something which I only discovered Since doing this, but if you look at the building of the temple, so for example, 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 29, this is how Solomon, when he built the first temple, this is how Solomon decorated it. Uh, On the walls, all round the temple, in both the inner and outer rooms, he carved cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. Palm trees. Isn't that interesting that the temple was decorated with palm trees and they're holding palm branches and they were waving palm branches when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. What this is, is it's saying these people are claiming uh, Christ as the king. That's why it was significant that the people laid palm branches and were waving palm branches for Jesus. When he came into Jerusalem, they were welcoming him as king. And again, why here? They're holding palm branches. They're worshiping Christ, the Lamb, who is who is the King, the King of all. And um, the, they they worship. They have these these words: Salvation belongs to our God, uh, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And also it says, all the angels are standing round the throne, and uh, and they fell down on their faces and worshipped God, and they give worship and uh, uh praise and glory to God forever and ever. And, you know, I just thought that's something, that says something, doesn't it? That, you know, that all people worship God, but all the angels worship God as well. And that um, even they, these things are, are a mystery. It says, um, it says in the book of, uh, of 1 Peter, uh, chapter 1, verse 12, um, even angels long to look into these things into the gospel. it's a mystery even to the angels. They worship God, they worship the Lamb, even um, even they, the, the heavenly beings. So then the, the, the focus moves, if you like, the, the spotlight moves onto uh, those in white robes. One of the elders asks this rhetorical question. Uh, These in white robes, who are they, and where did they come from? Uh, And he says, "Sir, you know." They sometimes does this in Revelation. You know, this this rhetorical question of asking a question which uh, he doesn't know the answer to. So he says, "Well, you tell me." And he said, "These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb." What's the great tribulation? I think what is going on here, and you could spend hours talking about this, and you know, I, I, I'm aware whenever we, we look at this that you know, there are so many more things that you could say. But what I, I think is happening is that the Great Tribulation is talking about now. This is the Great Tribulation. It's the period in between Jesus' uh, coming, first coming, and his second coming. It's the time that we're living in. That's what he's talking about And when he says they've come out of the great tribulation i don't think it means you know he's removed god has removed people from this time but actually that god has chosen people out of this time god has chosen people put his seal on those uh, to live through this time but then to be with him and to be in the new creation Um, and they praise and worship God. And, and there are these beautiful words here. These are, I think, some of my favourite words in the Bible. Um, they serve him day and night. Uh, he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They'll never hunger or thirst. The sun will not beat down on them. The Lamb will be their shepherd. And he will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What a lovely picture. I think this is reinforcing... The idea that this is talking about now that god protects us now god's presence is with us now through jesus christ jesus is our shepherd now you know you think about the lord is my shepherd you think about what jesus said i am the good shepherd it's not sometime in the future but he's our shepherd in the here and now right now he's our shepherd and i think what this is saying is that even In a time like this, the Great Tribulation, as he calls it, this is is a time of testing, this is a time of trial. But even in this time now, that we still see God's presence, his protection, Jesus is still our shepherd. He will still lead us. And as it says, God will wipe away every tear, that every evil and bad thing that happens, God will turn to good. You think about... What it says in romans chapter 8 verse 28 you know those who are called according to god's purpose all things work together for good for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose even the things which are difficult and which are testing god intends for good for those who love him and that is i think this beautiful picture of what's happening here it's saying the security of god's people who have that seal who are unknown to God, who love him. That is the best place to be. So what can we, what can we learn from this? What can we take from this to, to think about over these coming, coming few days? The first thing is that God is building his church. It's very easy, especially at the moment in this country, to look round and you think about, you just add up the numbers, and you think, you know, how many are we here, or how many are here on a Sunday morning across here at St. Mark's down, at, down the road? You know, maybe 120 people, or give or take a bit. Um, how many people live in the parish? You know, over 20,000 people. So it doesn't take a genius to work out the statistics, you know, that there are 99% of the people in our parish who are not coming to church on a Sunday morning. And that's, that's the truth. You know and and it looks it doesn't look great does it really if we think that actually as well how many how many younger people do we have how many teenagers how many children you know I think about the next generation as well someone said um, former I think it was George Carey former Archbishop of Canterbury who said the church is one generation away from extinction in this country that's what he said a year or two ago but we know that actually Although that may be what we see with our eyes, we know that that's not the case with what God is doing. Because as Jesus says, Matthew chapter 16 verse 18, uh, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Think about that, more than anyone can count, that we just saw a multitude that no one could count, like the dust of the earth. That's what God is doing. Don't think about the numbers on on a Sunday morning or wherever. Think about the the, the dust of the earth. And remember that God has a people in mind. Remember that God has people and has chosen them since before the foundation of the world. Um, There are many verses that you could look at, but just one I'll read to you. John chapter 6, verse 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. As Jesus says, all those the Father gives me will come to me. God has people in mind. He has people. He he has chosen people. And I think that's an encouragement to us, that we can press on in our evangelism, despite what it may look like, despite the fact that it's like, when I'm mean no, I'm no gardener, but you know, trying to dig up earth when it's tough, when it's hard, when it's you know, cold and everything, to try and get a spade in the ground sometimes is, is difficult, isn't it? And it feels a bit like that with evangelism sometimes, doesn't it? You press on, you try and try and try, and we, get, we see very little fruit. But actually, I think this is an encouragement to us. All those the Father has given me will come to me. That actually God has people in mind and he will bring them at the right time and that we can press on in the confidence not in not in being confident in ourselves in how good we are at sharing the gospel but in God for how uh, for his power to bring people to himself Uh, the third thing is we remember that God blesses and protects his people even at the moment that despite all of the chaos and all of the evil going on in the world. Even the bad things God uses for good, as you have thought about, and that's an amazing thing, isn't it? That we can have confidence facing the day, facing our lives, facing whatever the future may bring, knowing that at the end of the day, our good heavenly father is in control and is sovereign. And we can have confidence, whatever... Whatever the day may bring, that we know that God is, is protecting us, his presence is with us, he is leading us. And, um, and that's something which is really wonderful, uh, to, to give us confidence in everything. And finally, our lives, the lives that we live now, are worshipped to the Lamb. And this is one of the things about Revelation. I think what Revelation is doing is... The vision is actually of our lives now. This vision that is like, if you like, of the truth behind our lives now. But when he says, they serve him day and night in his temple there before the throne of God. I think he's talking about, how, about us now. I think he's talking about what we're doing now. That our lives are lived as worship to God. This is not talking about, so I used to think this was talking about sometime in the future. I think that he's actually talking about how we live now. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So actually, when we offer ourselves to God, that's worship to God. Now, worship isn't just, you know, doing what we do when we sing. But actually, it's the way that we live. It's living our lives with God as the centre, living our lives with him and worshipping him in what we do. And in everything we do, not just in the spiritual things, but in all of the um, enjoying life, you know, in having time with friends, as well as coming together for church, you know, and, and enjoying the things that God gives us. So all of that is our worship to God. And I think that's what this is talking about, that as we live our lives, we live our lives worshipping the Lamb, worshipping Jesus, as we just go about everything that we do. And that's the way that it should be. And that's, uh, that's the way that God intended it to be. And that uh, we pray that that will be more so day by day as we live, uh, that we may live uh, our lives as worship to God and as worship to the Lamb. And so let's take a moment to pray as we, uh, as we finish and ask God for his help. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this picture of, uh, of your people. And we thank you, Lord, for all that it tells us about, uh, about your church, about how you are building your church, how um, everything, in everything, Lord, you protect your people. You've put your seal on each one and you care for us and lead us through and that even the bad things you turn to good and we pray that you would help each one of us to live lives uh, worshiping you and worshiping the lamb and uh, that we may learn more and more uh, what it means to praise you with the way that we live as well as with our lips uh, in everything we pray this in jesus name amen